Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 53. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How you doing, Van? Laura, I am wonderful. Uh, to be honest, I got I to gotta tell you, I'm a little bit worn out. As you said a couple episodes back, you, you know, we, it looked like our schedule was crazy full. We have been crazy going all over the country. Uh, in fact, we just returned back from New York. Had a brilliant time while we were up there. Had an opportunity to work with a couple different barns and a ton, actually three different barns, three or four separate groups of people, just tons of folks at all levels. I mean, I actually had an opportunity to work with the students of a Grand Prix competitor. Uh, she's actually served time with the American Olympic team, American equestrian team. So it's just been, a, it's been it was just an amazing trip. But it's it. We were glad to get home. You know, we were really tired. I, I, you know, my grandmother made a comment many years ago, Laura, that said, "Good thing you get paid to talk because you sure do a lot of it." <laughs> <laughs> I think we we calculated that during that trip up there, I talked between forty and fifty hours, and most of that was almost straight through. It was just absolutely amazing. But uh, to be honest, we were a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued by the time we got home, and just very glad to be home and be be productive. But Laura, we're going to talk a little bit about today about. A term that you hear a lot of, you know, such as, and, and the term we're going to talk about is wet saddle blankets. Mm. My my entire life, I've heard, "Oh, that horse just needs good wet saddle blankets." And I know what people mean when they when they say that the horse just needs to be ridden a lot and that sort of thing. But the reality is, is that it's not good sometimes just to get a horse busy. It's good sometimes to get a horse busy and be productive at the same time. And so that's what we're going to, that's kind of what we're going to discuss a little bit today. That's going to be our topic. What do you think? Well, I think it's a great topic. It's interesting because I've heard that saying too, you know, that you've got a horse that I, I guess it implies that the horse has some issues and just needs to be worked a lot. And I mean, I guess maybe you could go more into the what's behind that saying and what you think maybe a better alternative is. Well, of course, I'm going to get really goofy about this, but you know, we could, if, if a horse just needed wet saddle blankets, look at all the different things that we could do. We could just put a blanket on a horse, saddle him up and, and go put him on a horse walker, for example, and just let the horse walker do all the work. Question is, what did the horse learn by that? But if you worked him hard enough, long enough and on a good hot day, then he would get wet saddle blankets. Um, you could do what we call putting a monkey on a border collie. And, and what I mean by that is just put somebody up there on his back. They don't have to know much, but just just keep them working. And that horse just needs good wet saddle blankets because if you worked hard enough, long enough, and especially down here in South Texas, that person could put wet saddle blankets on a horse. Question is, what did the horse learn in that process? In other words, during the time he's getting all hot and sweaty and those saddle blankets are getting wet, is the horse learning anything that's going to be productive and useful, that's going to make the horse a safer horse? It's going to make a horse a better trained horse. It's going to make a horse... Uh, more reliable. In other words, wet saddle blankets alone doesn't necessarily do it. Um, matter of fact, just yesterday we had a discussion with a student that come out to the ranch and he was actually applying for a job and great kid, but man, he just couldn't ride very well. And he kept telling me, oh, but Mr. Hargis, I'd be willing to ride and I'd ride a lot. 
And I couldn't help but to think in the back of my mind about the monkey on the border collie. And, and for those of you who don't know what the monkey on the border collie is, there's, there's like a rodeo act. And they literally strap a monkey onto a border collie dog. And the border collie dog obviously is trained just to run around and do this kind of comedic act. And of course, the crowd just laughs and laughs and laughs because this monkey is just strapped on helpless and just literally along for the ride, not controlling the dog whatsoever. And he's totally at the at the mercy of wherever and whatever the dog does and where he goes. Kind of how so I oftentimes ride. I think about <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's you're riding along there with a lot of folks. I mean, they're just, they're just up there riding around and I'm thinking, oh my God, you have no control. You're the monkey on the border collie. But when we're talking about horse training and doing something productive with our horses, that's the last thing we want to be is just be the monkey on the border collie. In other words, we don't want to, we don't want to be up there just strictly as a passenger. Because, I mean, it's not that we couldn't be, but at the same time, it's not really very productive and it's certainly potentially unsafe. So I'm thinking, man, if you're going to spend that time with the horse anyway, Let's do something other than just make wet saddle blankets because wet saddle blankets in the end really don't benefit us a whole heck of a lot. What benefits us is that time that we spend making it valuable time. In other words, making it productive time, making it to where you're doing something positive for both your relationship with you and your horse, as well as ed- educating your horse to be uh, a safer, better, well, more well-trained horse, if, you know, if that makes sense. It reminds me of a plaque that years ago when one of our kids was taking piano lessons, their, her, her teacher had a plaque on the wall that said, um, practice does not make perfect, practice makes permanent. And if you're practicing it wrong, it will be permanently wrong. And so it's, it's the yeah. kind of practice. And I, I, to me, it's kind of the same thing what you're saying. Writing a lot isn't necessarily going to accomplish anything if if you're not writing with a purpose and, you know, writing correctly or, or doing the correct things. Couldn't agree more because actually that's what we see a lot of. And, and I ask my students again sometime, look, consider yourself a coach or a teacher. Are you coaching and teaching your horse to be average or are you coaching and teaching your horse to be above average and like an A student? Because if you're just up there doing the same things over and over and over again, yes, you're accomplishing time in the saddle. You're, you may be even accomplishing wet saddle blankets, but are you, a, are you really making yourself a better rider and are you making your horse a better horse? And so I totally agree with that statement, you know, and then there's, there's a spinoff of that too. It goes that uh, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. In other words, we have to really be working all the time on making really good improvements with our horse, learning more, learning how to ride better, learning how to to work with our horse while we're doing that. Because either way, you're going to end up with wet saddle blankets. Mm -hmm. So let's do something that's going to be productive while you're doing that instead of just settling for just wet saddle blankets. And I I think about that in times, in terms too, that sometimes it's okay just to go for a nice, quiet ride. And and even if you end up with wet saddle blankets, sometimes I do what I call mindless riding. And what I mean by mindless riding, Laura, is that I might ask my horse to do some pretty good exercises that are very productive exercises, exercises that are going to help me get my horse more responsive. Uh, Horses are going to get my horses softer, lighter, more balanced and collected, more disciplined. And unfortunately for the horse, all those things consume calories. All All those things consume energy. All those things are going to create wet saddle blankets. But from time to time, I kind of want the horse just to kind of relax and enjoy what time we have without putting any physical and 
emotional stress on the horse or, or psychological stress on the horse. So sometimes I'll do what I call mindless riding, which is I'll focus on something the horse can really do and really do well, say as, such as trotting or, or cantering in just in a big old nice circle, or if I'm out in a big pasture, just loping down through the middle of the pasture. I'm not asking anything spectacular from the horse. I'm not asking him to do anything complex or complicated. I'm simply just asking the horse to do a very simple, easy job. By doing that, yes, we're creating some wet saddle blankets, but we're also allowing that horse to learn to do that job while he's relaxed. So sometimes it is good to have wet saddle blankets and in that regard, but I'm also very, I'm a big advocate on if you're going to be up there anyway, let's do something productive. Let's work on skills that are going to benefit the horse and create really good positive work habits and good physical habits. And at the same time, get the horse, I guess, more comfortable about doing his job. In other words, just simply being productive. And so it sounds like what you're talking about is is going beyond just riding, just putting in the time, but riding with a purpose, having an end in mind, a goal in mind when you get into Absolutely. the saddle. Yep. Okay. And, 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 you know, and I hate to say how like I'm going over this all the time. It seems like I do it at every clinic at least a hundred times. And, and I know we talk about it quite a bit on, on the podcast, but you know, I keep referring back to those four questions that whenever we're going to go and ride our horses and we are going to ride with a purpose, you know, as you said, we need to be thinking in terms of what do we want? And what do we want to achieve today? What do what do what what kind of behavior do we want for our horse? What sort of a response do we want from our horse? Do we want to work on cantering today? We don't work on cantering to the left today. We don't work on cantering to the left and working on transitions in those in speed with that. In other words, what do you want? And if we can think about what we want and have with have that purpose in mind, that sets us up to be more productive with our horse. And granted, we're still gonna end up with those wet saddle blankets that we keep talking about. But then we also want to ask that second question, which kind of helps us every bit as much as it does the horse, which is, again, is what I want fair? In other words, is it within our capabilities? Can the horse do what I want it to do? Or can I teach it what I want to teach it? Is it within my capabilities to teach? And is it within that cap- the horse's capabilities to learn? The third thing is, can I communicate what I want to the horse in a way that it understands? In other words, we want to be able to make sure that our ability to communicate can be received by the horse in such a way that it can be successful. So many times, Laura, I see us ask our horses to do something. And we just keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And no matter what, the horse just doesn't get it. And it's not the horse's fault. It's That is a huge reflection on our inability to communicate. We can't blame the listener for not understanding because it's up to us to continue to change the verbiage or continue to change the language, continue to change our method of communication until the receiver, and in this case, our horse, gets a better idea of what we want. And then, of course, lastly, let's measure that. And if we follow those four questions and we're being productive in in doing that, and again, to use your term, if we're riding with a purpose, we're still going to end up with those hot, wet saddle blankets. But by the time we're done with that particular lesson or that particular day, our horse is going to be a better horse for it. We're going to be a better horse for it because we're practicing that communication skills that we need. And because we're doing it together, hopefully we're developing a good, positive working relationship between us and our horses. So I don't want folks to think that just going out there and riding and riding just for the purpose of getting the horse all hot and sweaty, or sometimes just going out there and, and, and working and exercising the horse without a purpose at all, 
that's not necessarily going to be productive. It's not necessarily going to make your horse better. What's going to make your horse better is breaking that lesson down or breaking that ride down into little bite-sized pieces that's going to educate the horse a little bit better, create a little bit better horse for you, and at the same time, help you exercise your communication skills with your horse. You know, and I was thinking when you were talking about that, that of all those steps, you know, the, the four questions that you that you were talking about again, what struck me today was that 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 third one, I think it is the, you know, can I communicate what I want in a way the horse can understand? That's probably an area where beginning horsemen and horsewomen could benefit a lot from working with a professional to learn to communicate in ways that the horse can understand because horses are not humans. They don't necessarily respond to communication that's done in the way another human might respond to if I, I'm not articulating that very well. But one of the things that I think you did when I was taking lessons from you a hundred years ago was taught me how to communicate what I want to the horse in a way that the horse could understand. That doesn't come intuitively right. to us as humans because the way we think and the way horses think is, uh, is so different. Oh, absolutely. You know, and <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I got a great question the other day in regard to verbally talking to our horses. And I'm totally for that. I told the lady, I said, I, you know, if it helps you talk to the horse, do it. Because when we talk, it, it creates, we have to organize our thoughts. And when we organize our thoughts, that organization will oftentimes help us in to create certain actions. Now, what we have to realize about our actions is the actions are what the horse truly picks up on. Over time, they might be able to pick up on some of the words, but that's only if our actions support what, yeah. we're, what we're saying. But what we have to realize about horses, and that's what such that's what puts such a burden on us, is that we really do have to look at things from the horse's perspective. It's exactly what my website says, you know, training from the horse's perspective. I have to stop for a moment and think how a horse thinks. And they don't think like human beings. They're not motivated by pats on the back and treats and that sort of thing. They're strictly motivated by pressure and release. And I wish it was simpler than that. Or sometimes for human sake, I wished it was more complex for that because it we could really load our wheelbarrow up with lots of excuses if it was more complex. But the reality is it's it's just that simple. Horses respond to pressure and they respond to release of that pressure. So that's the hardest part for us to realize is that we have to learn to communicate in a way that they understand. As brilliant as horses are, they're never fully going to understand our language. They're never going to fully understand us human beings. Therefore, it puts the burden on us, supposedly the smarter of the species, the more intelligent of the species. It puts a burden on us to look at things from their perspective and communicate from their perspective, communicate in a language that they can understand. Now, the question is, how do we do that? One thing is just exactly what you mentioned. Go talk to a very well-qualified professional. Work closely with that professional to get a better understanding of how horses respond and how horses react and how to better communicate to the horse so that you can get what you want. The other thing is, is that oftentimes I just recommend to people go and observe, mm -hmm. but do so objectively. Don't read anything into it. Watch your horse, study your horse with other horses and see how they interact. But let me prepare you though. Sometimes it's pretty boring. If they're just out there in the pasture grazing, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot going on. 
But if you watch closely, you'll pick up on little things, little signals that they do and little ear movements or little tail swishes, things that tell the other horse, hey, I'm about to move to a greener place. You want to come with me? Doesn't look like much, but the horse will kind of give those little signals and begin to ease away. And as a, as a result, the other horse oftentimes or the other horses will kind of pick up and start moving along with it. That to me is that herd dynamic. And that herd dynamic is so important for us to learn because once we introduce ourselves to the horse and we go in there and try to be its leader, we have to be able to fully understand that herd dynamic. And we truly have to work hard to be that horse's leader. Doesn't mean we got to whoop them, bang them and do all that sort of thing. It simply means we just have to be really good communicators. It also means that we have to make really good decisions on the horse's behalf. If we can go and do that and make those really good decisions on the horse's behalf, that horse is quite happy to let us be the leader. Because if we're making good decisions on his behalf, that horse gets more and more excited about losing one of its responsibilities, which is the care for the herd. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, horses will quite willingly hand that responsibility over. Some horses will challenge you for it, but the ones that are challenging you for it may not necessarily believe that you're the best pick, which is okay. Because that gives us an opportunity then to work a little bit harder on even earning the trust and the respect of the horse that might be challenging us, all of which is going to make us a better horseman, all of which is going to help us become a better horse communicator, so to speak, all of which will help us be that better leader, all of which puts us in back in that situation again to where what we do and what we how we interact with our horses is a step toward becoming a better horseman, which goes right back to our subject today, is that in order to be a better horseman, every interaction that we have with our horse needs to have some sort of purpose, even oftentimes if it looks like there is no purpose. And the reason that we have to have that in the back of our mind all the time, if nothing else, your purpose is to be safe, number one, and number two, to look out for the herd. Every, and this is a hard thing for so many people to grasp, I, I get this question a lot. Well, I'm no horse trainer, man. I'm, I'm, I just own a horse, but I'm no horse trainer. And I have to reinforce that in their mind that, yes, you are. Anytime you're interacting with a horse, you're training it. You're, you're, you're using that as an opportunity to, to maintain your position of respect with your horse, or you're using that as an opportunity to, to regain your position as the leader of that horse, or you're simply just kind of nurturing the, the relationship but still with you as the leader of that horse. Anytime there's any interaction between a human and a horse, a human and a dog, somebody's getting trained. Mm. Question is, who is it? Who's the and let's hope, yeah. Right. And let's hopefully it's the leader that's doing the training. Therefore, you're the trainer. So that's why I go back to this topic today, you know, the wet saddle blankets thing. Use that time productively. Doesn't necessarily even really mean that you have to have wet saddle blankets at all. But it just means that any time you're spending that time with your horse, try to use that time wisely and productively. But let's yeah. just think, you know, for the other, the other side of that is let's just don't assume that just going out there and working his tail off and, you know, putting the blanket away at the end of the day and it's all nice and soaking wet. Don't fool yourself and think that's being productive. If it was done without a purpose, it wasn't really productive. It's not going to serve you well in the long run. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's true in so many areas of life, but I can certainly see it in horsemanship that you can be 
We've all talked to people who work with their horses diligently. They're out there all the time, every day doing stuff with them, but they're not making any progress in the direction, uh, you know, in a direction they like. And so just doing stuff, whether with your horse or in life in general, isn't necessarily productive if we're talking about being, being productive, meaning you're actually accomplishing a result you want. Exactly. You know, one thing I just thought of as you said that is I see a lot of people going out and either long trotting circles or loping circles, and they're just loping and loping and loping. Or some people even just go in the round pen and just run the horse around in the round pen. And what you end up seeing over time is because of of that mindless repetition, what you start seeing is a horse that gets more dull to the relationship. They get really bored. And sometimes you'll even see almost like that kind of a pissy little attitude about them. Like they're still doing the task, but you can just see this horse going, oh my God, how'd I get in this prison? You know, they just have that look in their eye, like they're upset, angry, or resentful, or sometimes their ears will even be a little bit pinned. And granted, they're still doing the job, but you're not really doing anything productive. You're not doing anything that's helping that horse maintain a good, sound, willing, working mind. So those are the things we really have to think about, about the redundancy sometimes that we may get into. We got to keep it interesting. Let's do something fun for us, something fun for the horse. And as we're doing that, we're going to accomplish that time that is so well needed uh, with our horses, that time in the saddle, that time on the ground even. But by doing so and keeping it kind of creative, it just makes things better for the horse. And at the same time, we can use that time to be productive for ourselves and for our relationship with our horses. I guess that's what I really want to try to get across to people today, that sometimes just the repetition, sometimes just the wet saddle blankets alone is just not enough. You know, we just need to really be thinking about things that we can do that's going to better the relationship and better the situation with our horses. So it's not about being busy and doing stuff. It's about you know, doing stuff with an end in mind. You betcha. Yep. Do it with a purpose. I love what you said there, you know, do it with a purpose. Well, and so, you know, I guess a lot of the things we talk about on this show are uh, to give listeners ideas of what purpose to have in mind. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, that's, go ahead. To, well, to me, I'm thinking, you know, being productive and that sort of thing. I, every time of course, now because of you, every time I hear the word productive, <laughs> guess what I think of? I'm thinking the productive woman. So along that same line, I mean, obviously you're much more of an expert about that. I mean, I, I oftentimes fall into that category, not so much with the horses. I've gotten to be very proficient in that area. But, you know, oftentimes on this show, Laura, we talk about that parallel between horsemanship and humanship. So if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of get you to help us a little bit here and tell me some things that, on a personal level, how you see people oftentimes being busy, which might be good, but maybe being busy and productive would be better. What are some of the things you share with your listeners on the productive woman along that same topic line? Well, I think it's the same kind of thing we've talked about here that, uh, you know, I mean, being busy is almost a badge of honor in modern society. Oh, I'm so busy. You know, it's like, it, it, it's like we get our worth from saying we have lots and lots of stuff to do. But to me, being productive is when the stuff that you're doing has a purpose in mind, just like we've just been talking about having a vision in mind of, you know, just on, on a, you know, outside the horsemanship thing. It all it starts with the same questions that you ask. What do you want? What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of person do you want to be? And 
are the things that you're doing taking you in that direction? What things do you need to do? How do you need to be spending your time and your energy and your attention in order to create the life that you want or be the kind of person that you want? And it translates very well back into everything you've just been talking about. Have that vision in your mind, the long-term vision of what kind of relationship do I want to have with my horse? What kind of things do I want to do with my horse? When I picture the perfect day with my horse, what would it look like? All right, you know, five years from now or a year from now, what do I need to do today in my interaction with this horse to get to that place? That And when you're doing those things, whether it's in the arena with your horse or at your job or, you know, in a relationship with your spouse or your kids or whatever, if you have that long-term vision, a very clear image in your mind of where you want to be, what you want your life to look like, what kind of person you want to be, then you can measure everything you're doing each day by one simple question. Is this moving me toward that or away from it? Because there, there, I don't think there is any other alternative. You're either moving toward what you want or it's moving away from you. Do you get your students, Laura, or the, your listeners to journal things and actually write things down? Yeah, in other I words, think let's say, for example, value. know what their goals are. And yeah, because I mean, I know, you know, sometimes I've been told, you know, you set long term goals and you set short term goals. And I've always been told, you know, write those things down. And then when you write them down, it kind of helps you kind of map out a process to help get to that point. I know sometimes with my horsemanship stuff, we'll try to we'll try to give people an idea and a goal. But the ones that are really serious and the ones that I hate to say it, but the ones that are that are more productive minded that really want to achieve things with their horses or achieve things for themselves. Those are the ones I'll more strongly encourage to write that down because they're probably professionals somewhere else in their, in their life. And they're already kind of accustomed to, I guess, journaling or not necessarily journaling all the time. I think journaling is a great idea too, but kind of outlining where they want to go and how they're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and when it comes to your horsemanship, like for me, I don't have a real goal of like competing on my horses. If I have a vision in mind of what my relationship with my horses would be, it would be that I'd be able to go out and saddle them up and just go for a ride around the property without having to fight them, you know, wanting to go back to the barn or just to be able to have a relaxed and peaceful ride without feeling threatened by the horse because they're way bigger than I am or any of that. So that's kind of, you know, I can picture that and I could write that out of what it is I want with my horse. If it's, you know, one of your students that wants to compete, wants to win, you know, some championship or something, picture that and write it out, you know, even in the present tense, you know, one year from now, I'm riding into the arena at the such and such competition and I'm relaxed and my horse is in good condition and I'm in good condition and our our minds are right. And we go in and we ride the perfect ride and here's what it's like. And, you know, we win. Okay. Then you've got the vision that you can put up there and look at and say, okay, now what do I have to do today to start moving there? What little things can I do? If I want my horses to be uh, respectful when I'm in the saddle, then I have to think about how do I let them treat me when we're on when you know when I'm leading them from the barn to the round pen or something. Yeah. It, all those little things that I can do today become the, the same things I would do if I didn't have a goal. But now there's a purpose for them, and now it's right. becoming productive. I can tell whether what I'm doing is productive because it's like I said, it's either moving me toward that vision of the perfect ride 
or it's not. You know, one thing I think about a lot with our horses and I, the thing I try to convey to people, I, I think it's great to have goals. You know, you set the goals and, and then, of course, to me, I think you've got to have a plan to achieve the goals. But the things that I think that life teaches us and the things that horses will teach you in a big hurry is that they didn't read the game plan. Yeah. You know, so what I tell people is have that goal and that goal can be just rock solid if you want it to be and have a really good plan, but be willing to tweak your plan along the way. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you're married to the plan and you're, and, and you're the type of person that if everything doesn't go just perfectly to plan, and you get all upset and frustrated, my question would be, well, how's that upset and how's that frustration working for you? Is that being productive? So what you really have to do is be very positive about even the changes that you make along the way. So we have to be really flexible. It 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 makes me think of a story. You may have heard this before. I I was honored to go to the Oklahoma State Fair one year, and I was asked to do horsemanship presentations for the duration of the fair. I was there for 10 straight days, and during that 10-day period, I started nine separate colts under saddle, literally from scratch that, you know, barely halter broke and I got them halter broke a little better, eventually got them all rode and was riding them around. And I did that with, with nine horses in that 10 day period. There was one young man that was there, Laura, for every presentation that I did. At the end of the 10th day, he walked over there and he asked me, so Mr. Mr. Hargis, can I ask you a few questions? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, first of all, I'm kind of confused. I said, why Why are you confused? I'm sorry. He said, well, I saw I saw you start all nine of these colts, but sir, you never did the same thing twice. I said, oh, you're right, sir. I never had the same horse twice. Yeah. But yet, and then I went on to explain to him, but my goal was steadfast. My goal was, is that I wanted at the end of the, each presentation to have the horse saddled and have him very calm and quiet while I did it. I wanted to get at least the first ride on the horse and have the horse quiet and calm while I did it. And I wanted the horse to be able to move out and do all those other little bitty things, all of which we accomplished with every colt. But because every colt was slightly different than the than the one before it, the process itself changed. Now, I'll be the first to tell you with every horse, I had my plan in mind. I would have loved to have had a checklist and say, okay, did that check. Okay, we did that check. I would love to be able just to check those things off because that makes life really, really simple, perhaps boring sometimes, but it makes it really, really simple if we can just go through life checking off those things. And ultimately, if we do all the right things at all the right time, we can just hang that thing above us that says, ta-da, I'm a success. But the reality is life doesn't offer us those things in, in such a way that we can literally check them off. There's obstacles along the way. There's circumstances along the way. There's weather. There's the vehicle that didn't cooperate today. The battery went flat for whatever reason. I mean, there's so many obstacles that can come about. But my question is, how do you handle the obstacle? And how do you maintain that forward progression? In other words, being productive until you ultimately achieve your goal. And if you're so busy taking care of all those little bitty problems, but you lose sight of your goal, that's where you're going to end up with a whole lot of wet saddle blankets that served no purpose. So we yeah. really have to think about that, don't we? We really have to think about making those adjustments, keeping a good positive attitude toward that adjustment, not getting upset and, and along the way because your plan didn't work out. Your plan just got adjusted. That's all. My question is, are you still taking forward steps toward your goal? If we can do that and we can be satisfied with a journey to our goal, that to me, 
is a journey towards success. Yeah. Is not just the wet saddle blankets, but the wet saddle blankets as we're working toward something that's truly purposeful for us and and in this case purposeful for our horses as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's um, a lot of good food for thought here. I hope that uh, I hope that it uh, resonated with folks that are listening. And and I guess rather than I mean, there's so many more things we could say about this, but we try not to have two hour long episodes. So maybe <laughs> this is a good place good place to kind of let that sit for a while and and kind of roll around in people's minds. If you're listening and you have questions for Van about this topic or anything else for that matter, I, he loves to hear from you. You can post comments or questions on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. And I know Van is, you know, watches that and responds. Or you can email your questions, your comments, your suggestions for episode topics to info at vanhargis.com. And Van looks forward to hearing from listeners, both in response to the things we've talked about, but also just whatever questions you might have. A favor that I'll ask on Van's behalf, if you find this this podcast helpful, would you help us spread the word and, and tell a friend about Ride Every Stride how, and show them how to subscribe to it and where the website is at vanhargis.com. That's how we grow an audience and how, that's how we get the message out there and grow the community around these conversations. Van, I, we don't have a ton of time, but anything new and interesting going on at Van Hargis Horsemanship that you want people to know about? Well, or are you just trying to recover <laughs> from, from June? <laughs> yeah, and we're going to start wetting some more saddle blankets, Laura. We got a lot of stuff coming up. We're headed to the Northwest again very soon. Soon as we get back from that Northwestern trip, we're headed back up to oh, the eastern side of Canada. Uh, to do some more stuff there. Uh, later on in the fall, of course, we uh, actually before that, we're headed to the Northwest to another part of Canada to do a horse expo up there called the main event. And then we'll be coming back toward the East the following month, which will be in November to do uh, the Equine Affair, which is probably one of my favorite events, one of my favorite large events. You know, there's there's different levels of our uh, expos. There's the little ones, there's the great big ones, and then there's a whole bunch of those little medium-sized ones. The the Equine Affair in, in West Springfield, Massachusetts is probably one of the largest ones in the country, if not the largest one in the country. So we really enjoy doing that event because it, it really exposes us to a tremendous number of more people. And of course, Laura, you know me well enough to know I love to be around people. It just, it's really exciting for me. So, I, I, But rather than go into all the details and try to get very specific with the dates, we just want to invite people to go to our website and check out our calendar. And then uh, please know, too, that we've always got room in there for other clinics and other presentations. So don't hesitate to ask us and seek that out on our website as well. There you go. So go to vanhargis.com. There's lots of information available there. Um, check out the calendar to see if Van's coming to your area. If he's not and you'd like him to, go to the contact page there or shoot an email to info at Van Hargis and, and uh, let him know where you are and and you can talk about the possibilities of getting him into your region. And I had to smile, Van, when you were saying, I don't know, I think this is probably one of my favorites. You say that about all of them. You just love going to those things. I, I don't... do. I love every event I go to. <laughs> yeah. So they're all your favorite. Um, you, I, I've known you long enough to know that you come alive at those events where you can interact with the people and learn what they want to know so that you can you know, expand your program to help them become better horsemen and better humans for that matter. So you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't say that any better, Laura. I, I, 
You know, people ask all the time because I'm obviously involved in the horse industry. Oh, you must really love horses. And the answer to that is yes. But the honest part is I really love people. The horse is the bridge that gets me from where I am to the people. And that's why I love the horse expo so much is because there's just more people, more people to reach out to, more people to learn from, more people to help. And so I, I'm so grateful to all those facilities that hire us to come and the expos for hiring us to go, the people that bring us to their homes for the clinics and the seminars. I couldn't express to those folks enough how much I appreciate it. And for those of you who've been to the clinics, you know that I, I put my heart and soul into it. I mean, I'll put it all out there because I truly love what I do. And I'm so grateful for the people for giving me the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I would would just say for those who are listening, if you are able to go to one of these events, whether it's an expo or a clinic, but especially even the big expos, be sure you find Van after one of his presentations and introduce yourself and let him know you listen to the podcast because that that makes him smile. And he's not a big <laughs> hotshot celebrity who doesn't want to talk to the people. The whole reason he goes there is to be able to interact. And he loves hearing from folks who listen to the podcast. So make sure you say hi. I think that's it, Van. Anything else before we wrap up? Oh, I can't think of a thing, Laura. I just want to remind everybody that just remember that until next time, it's your ride, it's your trail, and it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm-hmm.